Music Business What Is This is a podcast that focuses on the ever-changing music industry and presents issues and concerns that the average and above average musician has or will encounter. Hey everybody, I'm Richard Johnson. I'm Jeremiah Hunt. And I'm Sherelle Cassidy. Today we're joined with Sherelle Cassidy and we're going to be talking about several different things. But one of the big topics we're going to talk about is... Dreaming big. Dreaming big. All right. We've all had dreams, but how do we make those dreams happen? That's what this podcast is about. So let's get right to it. Okay. You're Surreal Cassidy, recent winner of the Downbeat Rising Star Awards, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And you've got tons of awards. Uh, you can check out her website. Done a whole lot. So credibility is not a question. But the question is, how did you obtain these awards and how did you get to where you are now for career well I'll, I'll go back for a minute okay. um, most people know I grew up in Oklahoma near Oklahoma City which is not a major jazz hub and I grew up in a household of um, people who had normal jobs you know nine to five or seven to seven you know and I said if this is what stability is I don't know that I want that. And I just followed music. But I was taught that if you practiced and you practiced and you practiced, you could be the best in the world. You could be as great as you wanted to be. So that's what I did. I just practiced and I I knew that music was going to take me somewhere. But I was just, it was just kind of a dream. You know, it wasn't actually reality because I knew nothing about business, which is funny that I'm on this show, right? <laughs> because I've had to learn a lot about business. Um... But when I moved to New York, I studied with a great, great alto saxophonist named Vincent Herring. And he's the first person that put me on track to really realizing my goals and my dreams. Because just being a great player didn't cut it. That's not good enough. Mm. You need more of a vision. You need, uh, you know, a plan. Exactly. Business plan, something. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, this is what he had me do. And it, it started to propel more thoughts where so the first thing he had me do was make a list of the five people that I saw myself playing with people or bands and I made that list and then the second list was a list of the five people that I just dream of playing with may not even think it's possible but I just dream of playing with okay so before we go on let's just talk about the first list Mm -hmm. the first list how did you come up with that list of people it was more or less the people that were my age or maybe a little bit older who were on the scene and, you know, potentially would need an alto saxophone player. So on the jazz scene? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on, on the, the jazz, jazz scene. scene. And was this list uh, of people in Oklahoma or just throughout? No, this is was these were people in New York okay. um, because I was in New York then. At the time. Okay, at the time. Mm-hmm. So what age were you when you got to New York? I was 21. Okay, so 21. So you're 21 and you're meeting uh, Mr. Herring. Mm -hmm. And is that when you made the list or were you 23 or? I was probably 23 or 24. Okay, Mm -hmm. 23, 24. And it's obvious that creating this list has helped you focus your ultimate goals. Do you think if you would have made that list at 12 years old, you would be 12 years ahead? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Mm -hmm. So that list is crucial to one's development and timing and how fast. That's Mm -hmm. right. And it's one thing to learn from the recordings, 
and then to have a career aside from that. So when I was listening in Oklahoma, listening to the music, mm-hmm. all of my heroes were either elderly or had passed already. You know, so mm-hmm. those were not prospects for me to play with logically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody at this time is going to play with Miles Davis, mm-hmm. right, or Freddie Hubbard. Mm-hmm. So when you start making a list that's practical, you're looking at the people that are alive. What career level are they? Would you fit into what they're doing? Mm. And that kind of way of looking at the music was very different than I had previously. Okay. And and some of the artists you've mentioned are completely different physically looking than you. Was that ever an issue for you? <laughs> it was ultimately, mm-hmm. but I never realized it. I, it sounds really obvious mm-hmm. and dumb, but I never realized that the way I looked would play into who I would be able to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's tricky because and, we talk about how you look not being important. And if you can play and play, but in reality, <laughs> you get behind it. <laughs> right. You know, we're just now getting to the point where and some people may disagree. They may even say we're not now getting to the point. But <laughs> what role does that play in, in your working and who you work with? It it does. And some people say, well, you know, you'll get more because you're female. Or some people say you're at a loss because you're female. And I think it's a little of both. Mm. Um, I don't think it's better than another situation, better or worse, but it is what it is. And I think you have to come to terms with who you are as a whole, what you look like, where you're from. That plays into your plan mm. or it should. Okay. I have a question. What um, So what is your general attitude when talking about the diversity coming into a group um, where it where you're probably the only female or probably the only uh, person that's not of African-American descent? Um, what is your general attitude towards that gig? I'm a musician. Mm. Okay. That's always been my position. And uh, I mean, I grew up playing with my dad. I grew up with four brothers. All of my merits were based on my efforts. And I was never given any kind of leeway or judgment for being a woman early on, which gave me confidence. And you practice more and you get confidence. You practice more and you go play and you get confidence. So when I showed up in New York, the first place I went to sit in was Small's Jazz Club. And um, I wasn't one of the best musicians there to say the least, but I was willing to learn. I was open. I was flexible. I was not thinking of my gender or my ethnicity. I was thinking, I walked in like I'm a musician. Mm. And my experience is that if you respect yourself that way, everyone else on the bandstand and in the room is also going to give you that respect. Yeah. Mm. 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 Interesting. Okay, so that was the first part of your list. You had like the beginning... (laughs) five the 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 starters and then you had the whoa like how do i get (laughs) there right okay so my first question is how did you obtain those first five no and you know what the Mm -hmm. reason was and i realized later i was going to say i found this list years later and i realized that the reason i didn't obtain those first five Mm -hmm. was because it was all bands that did not look like me and I would have stood out so much in that band, kind of, I guess, uh, selling selling wise, you know, marketability wise, mm. I just would have looked really out of place. Mm. Okay. Um, 
Okay. And I, I think that's probably one of the reasons that I didn't obtain any of those. Mm. Okay. So then you have this second list. Mm-hmm. So the second list was like, I'd love for this to happen. <laughs> but this is so far out of reach. Yes. I don't know if I'll get there. Yes. Okay. So tell us about that list. That was Christian McBride, Roy Hargrove, Mulgrew Miller, um, Kenny Barron, um, and the Dizzy Band. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty, I don't know if I can touch this list. And <laughs> it was. It, I said, okay, you want me to go in? I'll go in. You know, right, that's, right. those are my heroes that are alive and playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's many more. Of course. Right, right. But that was your but list. But that was my list. Okay. And at that time, at that age in my life. And, uh, you know, I lost the list. I started working with the Dizzy Band after I um, graduated Juilliard. Mm-hmm. That came first. And then after that, I had forgotten about the list. But it turned out that through having a mental... Uh, for me, I guess, image of what I wanted, having put it out there in the ether of what I wanted, so much more came back to me. Mm-hmm. I, when I look back, I couldn't believe, oh, I've, I've played with Christian McBride and I've played with Roy Hargrove for Roy for many, many years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got to approach Mulgrew and I played with the Dizzy, I'm still playing with the Dizzy Band. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then from those things, so much more came. And the, the ones that didn't happen, in learning that music and in trying for that, other things came off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. almost like a mosaic that mm-hmm. starts to happen from this one little seed that's planted. And I believe whenever you have an idea and you put it in motion, even the, the tiniest step, the smallest step, you're shifting the energy, your energy to move in that direction. So things will start to happen easier for you as you're going in that direction. For example, can I tell an example? Sure, sure. Stories are great. It was before I was signed to any uh, record label. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to be on a major label or a record label. And I saw um, Roy Hargrove's album on Verve, Nothing Serious, Mm -hmm. on my desk. And it sounds a little funny, but I took one of my pictures and I put it on a cover and it still said Nothing Serious, Verve. Mm. And I put it up on the top of my wow. shelf. That's like 1980-ish. No, <laughs> what? No. Hey, I'm going to take a cover of a CD or recording. <laughs> I can tell you what it was. a bad thing. It's good. I would say it was about 2006. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I would see it every day. Mm-hmm. And, and like something in my energy started to feel how it would feel to be on a CD, uh, a record label. Mm. And not... Not even two years later, I'm on Jazz Legacy Productions. Mm-hmm. And that was with Cyrus Chestnut and Jimmy Heath, Steve Davis. Um, so many of my heroes were also on that label. Mm-hmm. And that really gave me a great push into my career. So the visual helped seeing yes, seeing you through, seeing mm-hmm. that every day. Yeah, that's important. I, I tell people all the time, you got to write it down so you can see it, have a plan, have a course of action. But you don't want to give yourself an opportunity to run away with it so by putting it right in front of you like you wake up you see it it's right there yeah if you avoid that and there's nobody else you're the problem Mm all right but you can't avoid it it's right in front of you Mm -hmm. so you know even if you try during the day you're going to see it a bunch of times it's right in front of you yeah (laughs) yeah that's right 
Okay, cool. So you're in New York. You've got this list together. What was your way of approaching these different artists? Like you just don't show up and say, I'm ready. <laughs> no, no, you, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't really sure how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't come from a community where I had much direction, you know, in the music. So I first did what seemed obvious is I learned those people's music. Mm-hmm. And then I started going to the shows and making sure that I said hi, making sure that they saw me. Mm-hmm. Um, telling someone that I knew their music didn't turn out very well. Right, right, right. That, that was a little, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, well, let's talk about that because there's a lot of information there. Learning someone's music. What was yes. your process for that? Because everyone has different processes, mm. especially nowadays. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I checked it out. That's like the phrase now. Yeah, Checked it out means a 30 different things to 30 different people. Uh-huh. You ask Fred. Fred says, yeah, I listened to it. I checked it out. Uh-huh. You ask Barney. He says, yeah, I sat down with the music scores. I listened to it. I looked at it. Right. Mm. You ask Jack Smith. He says, yeah, I looked at it. I listened to it. I played through the parts on my instrument. You know, uh-huh. so everybody has different forms of checking it out. For you, what was your form at that time? I would go to the shows and write down what they would play mm-hmm. throughout a week and start with the most played songs. I would go through all the recordings of the past five or 10 years and see what they played and learn those songs by ear, be able to play the melodies and solo on the changes, mm-hmm. know the forms, that sort of thing. Um, and and just really be able to play the songs, be okay. able to play any song they call. So you're talking about some serious homework to the point it, where if the music probably blew off your stage and you were, you needed it if you needed no it. music right and that's what i was getting a lot to. of the artists i want to play with there was no music exactly that's what i was trying to get to so they they didn't have these charts no. right yeah. so you knew what was going on that looks professional and it's job security <laughs> right if the alto player on the gig lost his horn or couldn't play for some reason mm-hmm. i'd be able to stand up and you know play the gig finish the gig for them not that that ever happened or likely would but you know that's the idea is if you're called can you play the music without the band mm-hmm. leader having to stress about rehearsals or do mm-hmm. they know the music that's the first thing yeah i mean the reality of it today and, and even then was they don't need to rehearse they know the music yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know they talk about that these days Better. i mean they want somebody who's going to show up and kill it and then walk away. It's right. easier for everybody. And there's people doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you don't have that level of commitment, you're not first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. <laughs> right. You're at the bottom of the list, even though you can play it, but you're not going to be in the top calls. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think uh, what worked for me was doing that. And with the Dizzy Band, I did get a chance to go to a rehearsal because I had other friends in the band Mm -hmm. that were saying, hey, let her do the rehearsal, call Sherelle, you know. Mm -hmm. Eventually I got to do a rehearsal and not long after that I was in the band. Okay. Um, So you got your foot in the door kind of. I did. With the help of mentors or people looking out. Mm -hmm. And the other bands, um, I didn't end up playing with right away because, uh, you know, to my fault, I was too shy. Mm-hmm. maybe to even ask to sit in or to mention anything. I would just go to show after show, and I'm sure they were wondering after a while, why is she coming to all my shows? Yeah, that's, that's dangerous. <laughs> that has a couple of different connotations for it dudes. Does, yeah. <laughs> She's here and, again. Hmm. And again, me just thinking, oh, I'm a musician. You know, right, I'm right. not even considering yeah. all of this other stuff. So 
Um, She's a vocalist. <laughs> yeah, it it can get a little funny. So uh, that happened over time of me playing in the Dizzy Band. Then, you know, Roy was in the Dizzy Band. Mm-hmm. Then Roy asked me to play in his band. And then Greg Gisbert of the Dizzy Band helped me play with Christian at um, Vale. Mm-hmm. you know in his christian. big band mcbride okay because there's lots yeah, of christians thank out you. there yeah nowadays. of course christian mcbride <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and, and you know so it's always through someone who knew me and mm-hmm. had heard me that was advocating for me okay groovy so you're in new york for a while you've now got these gigs are you just playing alto or are you playing flute or <laughs> I mean what are you what else cuz as a horn player most people are doubling tripling mm. and you've got to take these instruments with you I mean so now that you've got well, gigs what's your daily routine What I'm about to say I want to preface with this is why you have to know what your vision is If you don't know your vision and you're not willing to stick with only that everything else is going to happen so I wanted to be a saxophone artist, you know, um, Kenny Garrett's one of my heroes, you know, Joshua Redman, Bradford Marsalis. So I was looking at that and I wanted to write my music and have my band and tour with my band and that sort of thing. However, I was a great section player. One thing about my training was there were a lot of big bands, a lot of big band knowledge there. So I was a great section player and I could play all the doubles. So I'm running around New York playing in 14 or 15 big bands. 14 or 15 big bands? Yes. I didn't even know they still had that many big bands. Yes, there's a lot of big bands. And some of them would have up to four or five doubles. So I was playing uh, alto, flute, um, clarinet, Mm. alto, flute, piccolo, soprano, sax, tenor sax. How are you getting to these Berry sax. I'm (laughs) carrying all of these horns on the subway. (laughs) Gangster. Which right. <laughs> not Gangster. only the horns, but with, with change of clothes at the time, probably heels. Mm-hmm. You know, and how about carrying a bass on the sofa <laughs> <this guy? laughs> right. You know, I had a my best friend played bass. She was a bassist with me at Juilliard, Renee Cruz. She's bad. And I carried her bass for her to a gig, and that was actually much lighter than carrying all my horns. So I'm like, I don't know which one is better. One's big and bulky. The other's just really heavy. Well, you could forget Uh, one easily. And you can forget one. Exactly. My horns were stolen at one point. So um, So you lived the jazz life. I did. I was in the the jazz life. You can say I was in the trenches. I will admit to that. (laughs) You earned your stripes. (laughs) Yeah. And I just got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm tired of this. Mm-hmm. I'm just physically tired. I'm. It's not my dream. I love playing in big bands, but it's not my dream. And I'm like the big band call now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you obviously learned a lot. And of course, yeah, I learned a lot. Bands. And you know, as Jimmy Heath told me that Barry was his way into the Dizzy band, and that's how he got to know Dizzy mm-hmm. and play with you know everyone from then on. You know, that was kind of my way into getting to know the jazz community at a deeper level, mm-hmm. which you know was really valuable. Um, I really love the community and I love the people that are in the community, but I wanted my thing. Which was? The Sherelle Cassidy Quartet or Quintet, yeah. The SC show. Yes, right. So when we, we had a chance to participate, yeah, yeah, in the SC show, we played oh, in the uh, fun. the yeah. band Electra, mm-hmm. yeah, in Indiana. Yeah. Oh man, that was great. <laughs> There's gonna be a video coming out of that soon. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you liked it. Uh, it was cool. The band was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Right, I get it. It was cool. 
Yeah, no, you guys were cool. I'm thinking about my parts now. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about the sound, <laughs> right? Because we were in the ballroom. Right, the we ballroom. did a whole yeah. episode about playing in different ball- places. Yeah, ballroom, <laughs> groovy. Okay, well, sounds like you've had a very interesting career, but you've arrived, obviously, um, because you have a uh, several recordings. Yes, in the bank that you've done. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, I've done. Um, I think five of my own recordings, and mm-hmm. the sixth is coming out pretty soon, next year. And uh, it has some of my heroes on it. It's got Christian McBride, Cyrus Chestnut, Louis Nash, Terrell mm. Stafford, and Michael Dees. Can't get mm. much bigger than that right. in jazz. No. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Those are the cats. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing what I want to write, and mm-hmm. I'm playing what I want to play. I'm putting groups together. I have an all-female group named Alliance that I'm really proud of, and mm-hmm. that's it's going to be great. So... You know, moving to Chicago for me was a great move because I I love the scene here and um, I've gotten the space to kind of do the things that I set out to do in the first place. Hmm, so, important. and refocus my dreams. Groovy. Mm-hmm. Well, you've heard it straight from the source. It's been a pleasure being with you guys once again. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever they're streaming and podcasts. It's been a pleasure. My name is Richard Johnson. I'm Jeremiah Hunt. And I'm Sherelle Cassidy. Thanks for joining us. This is Music Business. What is this? What is this? (laughs) And we'll see you later. This program is partially supported by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council Agency.